Chapter Eight of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, A Master of Fence. Lady Mallowbloom's reception rooms were more than usually crowded, and every other man or woman in the glittering salon was a celebrity. There was a strong sprinkling of the aristocracy to leaven the lump. Here and there the flash of red cloth and gold could be seen. In his quiet masterly style, Tchigorsky pushed his way up the stairs. Ralph Ravenspur followed, his hand upon the Russian's arm. He could feel the swish of satin draperies go by him. He caught the perfume on the warm air. "'Why do you drag me here?' he grumbled. "'I can see nothing. It only bewilders me. I should have been far happier in your study.' "'You mope too much,' Tchigorsky said gaily. "'To mingle with one's fellows is good at times. I know so many people who are here tonight.' "'And I know nobody. Add to which circumstances compel me to be dumb.' Place me in some secluded spot with my back to the wall, and then enjoy yourself for an hour. I dare say I shall manage to kill the time. There were many celebrities in the brilliantly lighted room, and Tchigorsky indicated a few. A popular lady novelist passed on the arm of a poet on her way to the buffet. "'A wonderful woman,' the fair authoress was saying. Eastern and full of mystery, you know. Did you notice the eyes of the princess? Who could fail to, was the reply. They say that she is quite five and forty, and yet she would easily pass for eighteen, but for her knowledge of the world. Your Eastern princess is one of the most fascinating women I have ever seen. Others passed and had the same theme. Ralph stirred to a faint curiosity. "'Who is the new marvel?' he asked. "'I don't know,' Tchigorsky admitted. "'The last new lion, I suppose. Some pretty begum, or the wife of some oriental whose dark eyes appear to have fired society. By the crowd of people coming this way, I presume the dusky beauty is among them.' If so, she has an excellent knowledge of English. A clear, sweet voice arose. At the first sound of it, Ralph jumped to his feet and clutched at his throat, as if something choked him. He shook with a great agitation. A nameless fear had him in a close grip. "'Do you recognize the voice?' Ralph gasped. The Russian was not unmoved. But his agitation was quickly suppressed. He forced Ralph down in his seat again. "'You will have to behave better than that if you were to be a trusty ally of mine,' he said. "'Come, that is better. Sit still. She is coming this way.' "'I'm all right now,' Ralph replied. "'The shock of finding myself in the presence of Princess Zara was overpowering.' Have no fear for me. A tall woman, magnificently dressed, 
was making her way towards Tchigorsky. Her face was the hue of old ivory, and as fine. Her great lustrous eyes gleamed brightly. A mass of hair was piled high on a daintily poised head. The woman might have been extremely young so far as the touch of time was concerned, but the easy self-possession told another tale. The red lips tightened for an instant. A strange gleam came into the dark, magnetic eyes as they fell upon Tchigorsky. Then the Indian princess advanced with a smile and held out her hand to the Russian. "'So you are still here,' she said. There was the suggestion of a challenge in her tones. Her eyes met those of Tchigorsky as the eyes of two swordsmen might meet. There was a tigerish playfulness underlying the words, a call-note of significant warning. "'I still take the liberty of existing,' said Tchigorsky. "'You are a brave man, doctor. Your friend here? Is my cousin, Nicholas Tchigorsky. The poor fellow is blind and dumb as the result of a terrible accident.' best not to notice him the princess shrugged her beautiful shoulders as she dropped gracefully into a seat i heard you were in london she said and something told me that we should meet sooner or later you are still interested in occult matters again ralph detected the note of warning in the speech he could see nothing of the expression on that perfect face but he could judge it fairly well. "'I am more interested in occult matters than ever,' Tchigorsky said gravely, "'especially in certain discoveries placed in my hands by a traveller in Tibet.' "'Ah, that was your fellow countryman. He died, you know.' "'He was murdered in the vilest manner, but before the end he managed to convey important information to me. Useless information, unless you had the key. There was one traveler who found the key, you remember. True, doctor. He also, I fancy, met with an accident that, unfortunately, resulted in his death. Ralph shuddered slightly. Princess Zara's tone were hard as steel. If she had spoken openly and callously of this man being murdered, she could not have expressed the same thing more plainly. A beautiful woman, a fascinating one, but a woman with no heart and no feeling where her hatreds were concerned. "'It is just possible I have the key,' said Tchigorsky. The eyes of the princess blazed for a moment, then she smiled. "'Dare you use it?' she asked. "'If you dare, then all the secrets of heaven and hell are yours. "'For four thousand years the priests of the temple at Lhasa "'and the heads of my family have solved the future. "'You know what we can do. "'We are all-powerful for evil. "'We can strike down our foes by means unknown "'to your boasted Western science.' They are all the same to us, proud potentate ex-meddling doctor. 
There was a menace in the last words. Chigorsky smiled. The meddling doctor has already had personal experience, he said. I carry the marks of my suffering to the grave. I remember how your peasants treated me, and this does not tend to relax my efforts. And yet you might die at any moment. If you persist in your studies, you will have to die. The eyes of Western men must not look upon the secrets of the priests of Lhasa and live. Be warned, Dr. Tchigorsky, be warned in time. You are brave and clever, and as such command respect. If you know everything and proclaim it to the world, civilization will come as one man, and no stone in Lhasa shall stand on another. Your priests will be butchered like wild beasts. An infernal plague spot will be wiped off the face of the outraged earth. The princess caught her breath swiftly. Just for one moment there was murder in her eyes. She held her fan as if it were a dagger ready for the Russian's heart. "'Why should you do this thing?' she asked. "'Because your knowledge is diabolical,' Chigorsky replied. "'In the first place, all who are in the secret can commit murder with impunity. As the Anglo-Saxon pushes on to the four corners of the earth, that knowledge must become public property.' I am going to stop that if I can. And if you die in the meantime? You are bold to rashness, and yet there are many things that you do not know. The longer I live, the more glaring my ignorance becomes. I do not know whence you derive your perfect mastery of the English tongue, but I do know that I am going to see this business through. Man proposes, but the arm of the priests is long. Ah, I understand. I may die tonight. I should not mind. Still, let us argue the matter out. Say that I have already solved the problem. I write a detailed account of the whole weird business. I write twenty detailed statements. I enclose the key in each. These statements I address to a score of the leading savants in Europe. Then I place them in, say, a safe deposit until my death. I write to each of those wise men a letter with an enclosure not to be opened till I die. That enclosure contains a key to my safe, and presently in that safe all those savants find a packet addressed to themselves. In a week, all Europe would ring with my wonderful discoveries. Think of the outcry, the wrath, the indignation. The princess smiled. She could appreciate a stratagem like this. With dull, stolid, and averted face, Ralph Ravenspur listened and wondered. He heard the laugh that came from the lips of the princess. He detected the vexation underlying it. Chigorsky was a foeman worthy of her steel. "'That you propose to do?' she asked. "'A question you will pardon me for not answering,' said Chigorsky. 
You have made your move, and I have made mine. Whether I am going to do the thing, or whether I have done so, remains to be seen. Whether you dare risk my death now is a matter for you to decide. Check to your king. Again the princess smiled. She looked searchingly into Tchigorsky's face, as if she would fain read his very soul. But she saw nothing there but the dull eyes of a man who keeps his feelings behind a mask. Then, with a flirt of her fan and a more or less mocking curtsy, she turned to go. "'You are a fine antagonist,' she said. "'But I do not admit yet that you are a check to my king. "'I shall find a way.' Good night. She turned and plunged into the glittering crowd and was seen no more. A strange fit of trembling came over Ravenspur as Tchigorsky led him out. That woman stifles me, he said. If she had only guessed who had been seated so near to her. Tchigorsky, you played your cards well. Tchigorsky smiled. I was glad of that opportunity, he said. She meant to have me murdered, but she will hesitate for a time. We have one great advantage. We know what we have to face, and she does not. The men are on the board, the cards are on the table. It is you and I against Princess Zara and the two priests of the Temple of Lhasa, and we play for the lives of a good and innocent family. "'We do,' Ralph said grimly. "'But why, why does this fascinating Asiatic come all those miles "'to destroy one by one a race that she can scarcely have heard of? "'Why does she do it, Tchigorsky?' "'You have not guessed who the princess is, then?' "'Tchigorsky bent down and whispered three words in Ralph's ear.' and not until Brant Street was reached had Ralph come back from his amazement to the land of speech. End of chapter 8